Welcome to episode 235 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. In this episode, I will be speaking with Tiffany Dawson, an ex-mechanical engineer turned career coach for women in STEM about a difficult time that she went through in her career and how by getting the support she needed, she was able to use that experience and help other women around the world to excel in their careers. She also provides four very specific ways that women in STEM can create barriers for themselves to help boost their confidence and advance their success in work and life. I'm your host, Jeff Perry, the new host of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. I'm a mechanical engineer and software developer that provides engineering and software pros with professional coaching to help develop soft skills like leadership and mindset to unlock hidden potential and remove self-imposed roadblocks for career and life. I also founded More Than Engineering to bring together my love for engineering and technology with my passion for helping people improve and live more fulfilled lives. You can see some free training and resources that I put together for engineering job seekers at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest today, Tiffany Dawson. Tiffany empowers women around the world to create wildly fulfilling careers without compromising their family or social lives. Having worked at global engineering consultancies across Australia and the UK, she witnessed and experienced the many challenges women still face in male-dominated industries. After overcoming her own battles with imposter syndrome and poor work-life balance, she was compelled to teach other women to do the same. You can often find Tiffany speaking at events about gender equality in STEM and sharing career advice on her podcast, How to Be a Steminist. Tiffany has written a new book, Get Noticed and Promoted, The Playbook, a step-by-step guide for women in STEM complete with scripts and templates. You can grab your copy via the link in the show notes. And now let me bring you into our main segment with a quote that is applicable to today's topic. This quote is from Mae Jemison, who is the first African-American female astronaut in space. She says, don't let anyone rob you of your imagination, your creativity, or your curiosity. It's your place in the world. It's your life. Go on and do all you can with it and make it the life you want to live. Now it's time for the main segment of our episode. Today's topic is all about career progression as a woman in STEM. I'd like to welcome our guest, Tiffany Dawson. She's a career coach and strategist, a speaker, a workshop facilitator, and a podcast host herself. Tiffany, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Thank you so much for having me on here. I've been really excited to chat to you. Tiffany, before we jump into the topic for today, Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about your mechanical engineering career and how it has made you so passionate about women in STEM? The thing I love talking about the most, so very happy to share my story. So as you mentioned, I was a mechanical engineer. I studied in Australia. You can probably tell by my accent. I'm from Melbourne, Australia, where I went to school, studied for four years, university there, and majored in engineering mechanical over there. I guess I didn't really 
know what I wanted to do. I felt like my university probably didn't prepare me that well for industry. My university was very focused on research and getting students into PhDs and further research and all that kind of stuff. So when it came to choosing a career, I kind of didn't really know what I could do with my degree until I went to careers fairs and all those sorts of things that you go to as a university student. Because I didn't really know what industry I wanted to go into, I did all sorts of graduate applications and ended up working in building services. So this is where I designed heating, ventilation and air conditioning for all sorts of different buildings. So building services works, I guess, quite closely with structural engineers. But if you think of a building like a body, I think you've probably all heard this before if you're an engineer. The structural engineers and the civil engineers do the skeleton and then the building services is kind of all the organs and the blood flow systems and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I did for eight years of my career. In my mechanical engineering career, I guess I started off as a graduate like most people and moved my way up into leadership and management. I ended up managing a team of uh, 30 engineers on one of our defense portfolios. So it was a whole bunch of different defense buildings all across Australia that were all falling down and we had to fix them. That's a little bit about my career. My most bragworthy project is probably the Stonehenge Visitors Centre here in the UK. And you asked me also about why I'm so passionate about women in STEM. So obviously, as a woman in a very male-dominated environment, I went through a lot of the common challenges that other women in STEM face, mainly to do with not really knowing how to progress my career, feeling I wasn't good enough because I wasn't similar to my peers, and just kind of getting a little bit lost. When I kind of hit rock bottom, which I'm happy to go into a little bit later, I was really lucky to have a manager who supported me through that. And I got all this support and learned all of this stuff. And I was like, why didn't I know this before? Why didn't anyone ever teach me this before? This is so simple. And I went through all this pain and how many other women out there are going through this and suffering silently as well. So I'm super passionate about helping women in STEM to progress in their careers, so much so that I have now changed into a career coach and I do this full time. Well, this is excellent. And I'm so excited to get into more of the topic here as we talk more today. But before we go further, I do want to say that obviously we have both male and female listeners to the podcast. And for those women listening, I'm sure this information will be tremendously relevant and important to you. However, for those men listening, like myself, I believe that much of what Tiffany is going to offer today can help us think about how we can work well and continue to support women in STEM. Tiffany, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, all the stuff that I'm going to be talking about also is just as helpful for men in their own career development as well. Maybe you can talk about what you did. You talked about that rock bottom experience that you had. Can you talk more about that? when you found yourself overworked and overstressed and and really hit this rock bottom? 
One thing my friends always tell me is that I seem to have a heart of stone because I never cry. It's not true. I am actually a very caring person. I'd just like to put that out there. (laughs) But I don't cry a lot. When I found myself on the way to work spontaneously bursting into tears in the car, I was like, oh my goodness, like my body is telling me that something is wrong. And that just has never happened before. Like these tears came out of nowhere. I didn't even know they were coming. And that was a real turning point for me to really reflect and think about, hey, what's going on here? Like I knew I was stressed, but I didn't realize it was going to kind of create this situation where I was just bawling my eyes out in the car. What had actually happened was I was promoted to this leadership level where I became this manager of 30 engineers. Half of those engineers were twice as old as me. They'd been in the industry for ages. And I think I was about 27 years old at the time. So my imposter syndrome was through the roof. My confidence, I always thought the more senior I became in my job, the more confident I would become because that would come with the title. But as you and I know, that doesn't happen. Actually, with more responsibility, you start to feel less and less confident. And I realized what had happened was I had spent months trying to hide from my team members that I had no idea what I was doing because I was so low in confidence with my job. I would overwork. So I try to overcompensate for my lack of ability by just working longer hours, trying to make sure that I was like slightly, you know, half a step in front of everyone else. And I was just really working myself to the bone. This didn't only affect me at work, but it also affected my personal life as well. I found myself avoiding social situations with my friends because I was just so stressed or I would try and catch up on work on the weekend. So I'd bail on friends' parties and stuff. And also, I'm sure I was a terrible partner to uh, my now husband. (laughs) I'm actually surprised he put up with me through then, through that period of time, because I was pretty awful when I got home. I kept the best of myself for work. And then as soon as I got home, I was just this depleted shell of a human being. Rock bottom is really horrendous. When you suffer from imposter syndrome like that, you feel like you're failing at work. You also feel like you're failing at home. You feel like you're failing your friends. And it's this vicious cycle that you get stuck in. So that's what it felt like. And I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to this as well. Um, If you've been through this or if you're going through it right now, just remember you're not alone and other people go through this as well. It's just not talked about that much. So I imagine at some point you started getting support that you needed, right? So how did it feel when you finally received this support and help that you needed to get through this really difficult time in your career and in your personal life as well? Oh my goodness, I can't even describe the sense of freedom that I felt when I finally let it out to my manager that I was feeling this way. I kept it bottled up. I was kind of just hiding from everyone this fact that I was no good at my job, that I was just paddling furiously underwater just to stay afloat. 
And that day that I burst out crying on the way to work, I went straight to my manager. I was like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm feeling really, really stressed out. And I was so lucky. I was really, really fortunate to have a manager who knew what it was like, who was really into personal development, you know, read all these personal development books and stuff. And he was a really great manager. So he was able to talk me through what was actually going on, helped me to kind of zoom out a bit and get some perspective on what was going on in my situation. And he put me forward for um, doing a group coaching workshop for high-performing females at the time. So I was just so fortunate that I had this manager who was great, so fortunate that it happened at a time where this group coaching workshop program was happening. I now look back at that moment and think I was so lucky, but I know that a lot of other women in the industry at the moment, they're not this lucky. Like I just happened to hit the jackpot and it shouldn't be down to luck that a woman succeeds in her career or a man for that matter. All this information, like this podcast that you're doing, all this great information that's out there is going to do a lot in helping people to succeed and to reach their full potential in their careers. In terms of the help that I got, I had some really great people around me. And the number one thing that I was so happy about doing was to actually tell my manager the truth of how I was feeling. Yeah, well, that's awesome that he was able to receive that and help you through that situation and give you the resources and support that you needed. But like you say, not everyone has that gift and that opportunity from the people that are around them. So how would you say that women and men, like you say, can have more self-control in their careers and life as they move through these periods of, of growth and uncertainty and everything else that we deal through as we move through our careers? So in terms of like self-control, I guess we're meaning taking back control over what's going on. So I think the first thing that people need to do if they want to take back control of their careers and their lives is to acknowledge the fact that they are in full control of your career, like you are in full control of your career and life. It's so easy to feel victimized by your circumstance. So that's exactly what I went through. When I hit rock bottom, I was like, oh, but you know, this client needs this from me today. My team member is struggling with this. So I have to help them. This is happening. You know, my friend's going through this. I need to be there for them. I need to do this. I need to do that. The best advice I got was just to stop, have a think, what is actually going on? And are you actually forced to do all of this stuff? You know, sometimes when we've got, say, for example, a really busy day at work, most of the times we have all these meetings in our calendars and we feel like we have to go to them. But if that's actually going to hamper your performance at work and you need to get something else done, do you have to go to this meeting? Is anyone really forcing you? Are you going to get fired if you don't go to this meeting? You know, what is the actual consequence? So, the first thing in taking control of your career in life is to acknowledge that you have full control. You have a choice over everything that you do. The second thing I wanted to point out was that we have to get women to stop waiting for other people to notice their good work. So I call this princess syndrome. 
this is where you get your head down, you keep your head down, you do lots of work, you work really hard, and you just hope and wait for someone to notice that you're doing a good job. If you do this, it's totally normal. (laughs) We're taught to do this as children, especially young girls. We're taught to not boast. We're taught to not talk too much about our achievements. And when we carry this way of living into our work lives, it just doesn't work because in the workplace, if you don't acknowledge your own good work, it's almost like it didn't happen or that you didn't do it. So you have to find a way to promote the good work that you're doing. And this can feel like a bit of an icky subject for a lot of women, but there are definitely ways that you can do this without feeling really sleazy or sounding boastful. It's just about finding a way that uh, suits you. So that's something that I coach a lot of women on, especially when they're going out for job interviews, they really need to start talking about their achievements, right? Those are probably the two main things. So acknowledging that you have a choice over everything you do in life and to stop waiting for people to notice you. In terms of getting promoted, it's all about taking control of your own career. So really knowing exactly what you want, that sounds easier than it actually is. (laughs) There's so many choices out there for us at the moment. There's so many options with careers. So knowing what you want or the direction that you're aiming towards is really important. And then creating a plan to get there. I get questions about these two things so often. I have recently just written an ebook about how to get promoted. It's called Get Noticed and Promoted. It's a guide for women in STEM with all sorts of scripts and templates and stuff that people can copy and paste and use in their own lives. So if that is something that you're interested in doing and having a framework for, I encourage you to go and take a look at that. As we move through some of these things, and you gave some great advice there, I imagine that sometimes it's important for women in STEM to create barriers for themselves in their careers. So what do you think are some of the common ways that women can create these barriers that can actually be helpful as they move through their careers? The barriers depend person upon person as to what's important to you. But maybe the first step to creating those barriers is to figure out what's important in your life, inside and outside of work. (laughs) I don't really like the term work-life balance, but I haven't found a better term for it yet. The reason I don't like it is because work is part of your life. You know, we don't have to separate it. And especially in our generation now, work is really an integral part of our lives. So having a look at your whole life in like a holistic point of view to figure out what do you actually find that's important in your life and how can you prioritize those things? That's a really good way to start thinking about what barriers you're going to put up so that you can allow yourself to focus on those priorities. Another thing is to know what your personal values are. So I get a lot of my clients to do my worksheet on figuring out what your top three values are. And when you're making big decisions in your life to make sure that the choice that you're going for honors at least one of those top three values. If it goes against all three values, you know that that choice is going to make you unhappy, right? Those are two things. So like priorities in your life 
and your top three values. Another thing is to figure out what your strengths are. I think a lot of the time we focus on fixing our weaknesses, but that's no fun. And you're not really going to be mega good at your weaknesses anyway. So again, figuring out what your strengths are is going to ensure that, you know, if you honor your strengths, then you're going to enjoy a good life. So I think before you even start putting up any barriers, you need to have a good awareness of those three things to figure out what barriers to put up so that you can allow yourself and enable yourself to honor your priorities and things that are actually important to you. Just on the topic of work-life balance, I've heard some people call it work-life integration. And that's another word that I think that may be another way that people can look at in really integrating the work part of our life and the other pieces of our life, because we're really trying to integrate these things in a way that looks at our whole life. Like you said, it's a holistic approach at looking at that. So it just may be a term that you and other listeners may resonate with if, if that's a, a term that helps. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I've been searching for a new term for a while. So this is good. So Tiffany, can you just share for our male listeners in particular, what should they know about working with STEM if there's anything that you would really share with them? So in terms of working with women in STEM, I get a lot of questions from men about how they can support women, which is amazing. And I think men often put so much pressure on themselves to not get it wrong and to make sure they don't say the wrong thing. But I think that firstly, we need to, as a field in general, as an industry, we need to recognize the fact that no one has figured this gender balance thing in STEM out yet. So it's okay if you do something that someone isn't happy with, but just acknowledge that you have maybe made some, like if something has happened, it's totally fine. Just acknowledge that fact and be like, I'm going to improve the next time. But more, more often than not, men don't actually do too much to offend women in the workplace. It's more that their fear of doing something wrong means that they could be unknowingly excluding women. So my two bits of advice for men who want to support women in the workplace is firstly, create genuine working relationships with them. A lot of the time, especially in very male heavy workplaces, women feel alone. Not all women do like, you know, some women get along really well with men, but there is something to be said about feeling a bit like an outcast, like you just look different, you are different to everyone else. There are just things that you can't get involved in in conversation because you are a woman. So creating those genuine working relationships, those trustful working relationships in the workplace is really important for women to feel included, especially during times when they might be hitting rock bottom and they don't know who to turn to. That's an awful time to feel alone. So if they have someone who has genuinely been caring about them for the last however many years they've worked together, then they're going to feel a lot more supported if they're going through tough times at work. So that's the first thing, create genuine working relationships with women, men, people of all different racial backgrounds, all sorts of different people. Just be a genuine relationship with all of these people. Second thing is really simple, is to help amplify a woman's voice in meetings. I don't know what the statistic is, but it just so happens that a lot of women do get talked over at meetings. And 
we can come up with all sorts of different explanations as to why men might talk over women, but there's one explanation that you can't argue with, which is that a woman's voice generally is higher than a man's voice. And any acoustic engineers out there will know that deeper sounds overtake higher sounds. So a man's voice when he talks is probably going to overshadow a woman's voice just because of the difference in tones of voice. We can come up with all sorts of other reasons for this, but that is one you can't argue with, right? So if you notice that a woman is trying to speak up in a meeting and someone maybe unknowingly speaks over her, just be that person who can say, hey, Luke, Evelyn had something really important to say just now. I really wanted to listen to the rest of what she said. And then can we go to your point? You don't have to be rude about it. You don't have to be like, Luke, stop talking over people. You just need to point out the facts and allow a woman to speak. Sometimes it is about amplifying what a woman has said. So you might hear Evelyn has said something and no one else heard it. So say, hey, Evelyn just made a really good point. Evelyn, do you want to repeat it? So that is a really, really great way to help women feel heard in meetings and in the workplace. That's excellent. Thank you for those actionable insights. And with that, I want to thank you, Tiffany. You've already given some great ideas for all of our listeners to take. But at this point, we're going to transition to the Take Action Today segment of the show where Tiffany's going to give us one key takeaway that we can all learn from and use in our careers. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. I've been talking with Tiffany Dawson, and she's going to give us one key actionable takeaway that we can use to apply to our careers to seize opportunities and move through the challenges that we face. I mentioned very briefly earlier on about not being victimized by our circumstance. So I wanted to expand on that a little bit and give you a tool that you can use to apply that practically in your own life. I mentioned before that you always have a choice. You might feel like you're forced into a situation because of, for example, coronavirus, (laughs) a global pandemic. Maybe you're looking for a job right now and you just feel like this is absolutely hopeless. There are not enough jobs out there. This pandemic, this circumstance that I'm in has really ruined everything. As awful as it is that you're in this situation or whatever it is that you're going through right now, it's really important to get out of that victim mentality. And the way you can do that is by just looking at it through very logical engineering eyes, if I may say so myself, and just think about your issues in terms of what is in your control and what is out of your control. The global pandemic, it's out of your control. You can't do anything about that. So no matter how much you worry about coronavirus and how long it'll stay around for and all this kind of stuff, you can't control that. No one can control that. You can't even influence it. So leave that part aside for a moment, just park that and think about what are the things that you can control? So yeah, maybe there aren't as many jobs on the market at the moment, but what can you do? to influence the way that you'll be seen in the market. So what is something that other people aren't doing? Maybe they're not reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Maybe they're not 
posting stuff about their previous work experience that could be really interesting to other people. What is it? Like have that growth mentality. Think about all the different possibilities. When we're in victim mentality, we shut our brains off to any possibilities of things getting better. When you separate things like that, what's out of your control and what's in your control, you can start to think about different solutions that may or may not work, but all you need to do is to come up with a list of possible solutions and start experimenting with them. Life is not something that you can write out and just follow in a linear path. Life is a series of experiments. So if something's not quite working, just try a different experiment, try something else. Well, Tiffany, such great advice to focus on what, what we can control and move to the side of things that we can't because we can only control what we can influence, right? And so thank you so much for this and all the great insights and advice you've given. And I know that our listeners are going to take a lot of value out of this. Tiffany, if people want to reach out to you or connect with you more, how can they find you and what uh, resources should they go look for? I am pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, I've also just started my Twitter account. So I'd love it if um, I could gain some new friends there. I'm feeling a little bit lonely there at the moment. I'm happy to pass you on my links to that. But yeah, my Instagram handle is at Tiffany Dawson underscore. My Twitter handle is underscore Tiffany Dawson underscore and uh, LinkedIn, I'm Tiffany Dawson. So come and find me, come and chat to me. If you have any questions about things that I've mentioned today, I'm so happy to answer them. And I also have my own podcast called How to Be a Steminist. And that's all about career advice for women in STEM. I also get quite a few men listening to it and asking me questions afterwards. So you're very welcome to check it out as well. Those are the main platforms that you can find me. Well, thanks so much. I encourage people to go reach out and connect with Tiffany if they're interested. And thanks again, Tiffany, for everything you've shared today. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And don't forget to check out the upcoming webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.